Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. And we're so glad that you were able to, to join us for this service. You know, when you think about the cross, it's definitely become, you know, a... a almost like a cultural symbol, if you will. I mean, we see it everywhere. We, we see it in jewelry. We see it in, in clothing. Um, people get the cross, you know, as a, as a tattoo on themselves. Um, certainly gravestones forever have had a, the cross on them. Roadside markers where there's been an accident, somebody's lost their life, we'll see a cross there. And, you know, I think for a, a lot of people, it might simplify, a, you know, a religious symbol, or, or maybe even for some people, there's just kind of like this vague understanding of, of what the cross is all about, but, um, or they may just relate it to, oh, that has something to do with the church or Christianity or the Bible, or Jesus even. Of course, the cross is all about Jesus, um, but it's meant to convey a message of faith that is meant to impact our life. That really is what the cross is about. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the scripture says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The Bible calls it the message of the cross. The message, in other words, the, the cross doesn't just stand as a symbol. It actually has a message into your life. Furthermore, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. The scripture refers to the cross as having a message. It's not just a symbol. It's more than just a memory. It is a message from God for your life. The power of God is meant to work in your life, and the cross brings that message to you. The cross is the message of God's unconditional love towards you. It is. It is the message of his unconditional love. God's not angry. That's good news. God's not vengeful. God is not looking to punish you. God is not trying to get even with you. God is not mean-spirited towards our world. He is not holding a big stick just waiting to, you know, whack you or, or to correct something, you know, with some kind of catastrophe. You know, people look at tragedy and they think, oh, that must be God displaying his anger towards the world. And I got news for you. God's not angry with you. He took all of his anger out on the cross. He dealt with it on the cross. He's not displaying his anger and judgment on the world today. And yet people still think that about God. I've seen something even recently on social media where something happened and they're posting like, look at this. This is God responding to the sin of these people. Unbelievable. That is not the message of the cross. That's not God's position towards you and I. Here's God's position towards you. And this scripture will be familiar that I'm gonna share. And it's familiar with a lot of people that don't even know Jesus, but I still think people miss the message. John chapter three and verse 16. For God so, can we read the next three words together? Love the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world. That's his position, that's his disposition towards you. That's his motivation for why Jesus came in the first place. 
That is the why, if you will, behind the cross. Why the cross? Because God loves the world. It doesn't say that, you know, so God loved the world if. There's no condition put on it. Well, I'll love the world if, and God's looking for something to happen. It doesn't say God will love the world when, and he's waiting for some kind of self-improvement, some kind of adjustment to your life, and then he'll love you. No, no, he loves you as you are. It's an unconditional love. It's an absolute position and disposition. It is in our as-is condition that God loves us. He loves you in your present state, not your future because of some kind of self-improvement. He doesn't say he will love the world. Rather, the scripture says he does love the world. And you're a part of that world that God loves. It's present tense. That's his position towards your life as well. Jesus loves you just the way you are, just the way you are. In fact, he's not waiting for you to deserve it. He's not waiting for you to earn it. He's not looking for some kind of change in your life, some kind of self-improvement in your life. And if you're here this morning and you're not even a Christian, you know, maybe you're just kind of checking out Christianity or some friend brought you to church or whatever, but you've not yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, confessed him that way and begun a relationship with him. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Here's what I want you to know. God loves you just as much today as he ever will in your life. In other words, God loves you just as you are even though at some point in your life, there's a good chance that you'll receive Jesus and get baptized and get, be a part of a church and grow in a relationship with God and do all kinds of wonderful things in a, in a relationship with him, that's not gonna make God love you more. He loves you just as much right now as you are, as he'll ever love you. God's love is unconditional. Romans chapter five and verse eight says that God demonstrated his own love demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There's the verse that explains what I just shared with you. While you're sinners, not while you're following Jesus, not while you're at home praying and reading your Bible, not while you're at church, but while you are far from God, God loves you just the way you are and demonstrated his own love towards us. How did he do that? Because Christ died on the cross for us. While we were at our worst, God gave us his best. He demonstrated his own love. The cross is the demonstration of God's unconditional love for humanity. God's love is not just spoken, and that's so easy to do. People do it all the time. Hey, love you. Love you, bro. You know, we use those expressions. Oh, we just send our love out to the family. And that's all great. And that, that actually could be very sincere. I'm not saying it isn't. But you know what? It's not the highest form of showing love. The scripture tells us that there's no greater love than this, that you lay down your life for a friend. In other words, the highest form of showing love is when you actually make a sacrifice to be able to do something for somebody else. The highest form of love is when it's demonstrated, not just spoken. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for the benefit of you and I when he died on the cross, paid for our sins, and provided us eternal life. You know, it's one thing to believe that God loves you on a good day. 
Isn't it easy to believe that God loves you on a good day? Isn't it easy to believe that God loves you on an Easter weekend where they're predicting plus 21 temperature? Jesus loves me this. I feel the love of God this Easter in a big way. I mean, that, that's really easy, isn't it? But when it really counts is on your worst day. And to believe that God loves you just as much when things aren't going well and it's a difficult day. What about those times when life is chaotic and you're dealing with challenges and challenging issues in your life? You may not feel loved in that moment as the feeling that we sometimes are sort of looking for, but you know what? That's the very time that you need to remind yourself, he already loves me, he already demonstrated that on the cross. And that hasn't changed. Just because I'm dealing with this problem, just because I'm dealing with this situation, just because I've got this bit of chaos that's come into my life has not changed God's position towards me. He still loves me. He's still for me. He's still with me. God isn't deciding if he loves you. He's already decided that he loves you and he proved it when he went to the cross. It's because he loves you and is with you and his hand is on you that you can handle the challenges of life. You know, bad things happen in our lives, and when they do, it's not a message of God's attitude shifting towards you. We're not to look at the troubles that come into our life and, and then pause and wonder, I wonder what God's trying to say. He's not trying to say anything different than the fact that he's still with you, he still loves you, he's still for you. Too often, people want to make a judgment about God through the troubles of the circumstances of their life. We can go through painful things and then accuse God of not loving, of not caring. David actually said that what he found was the opposite, that when his life got into trouble, that that's when he found God's presence being very real to him. So he didn't question, is God still with me though I'm in trouble? No, it's when I'm in trouble that I can really sense his presence working with me. Being secure in God's love is what empowers your faith to believe that he is with you and listen, to believe that his promises will come to pass in your life. The promises of God that are all over the Bible, there's all kinds of them that are all throughout scripture, those promises are there for you to deal with your problems. God gave you those promises because he knew you're gonna have problems. You're gonna have challenges in life but I'm giving you promises of how I'm gonna see you through. I'm gonna help you get over them. I'm gonna help you handle them. I'm gonna help you do well through them. I am with you through the difficult times of life. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, the scripture says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. Now, this scripture is speaking to the message of healing and the fact that that was paid for at the cross, but it also speaks to something else that's really important to understand. It speaks to the fact that because of the cross, we have a right standing with God. There's no longer a question, am I really accepted? Does he really love me? Is he really for me? Is he on my side? Is he working with me? No, he already established that through the cross. We stand in righteousness or in right standing with God, all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's after this verse that establishes righteousness 
that it goes on to talk about healing. Now, why is that so important? What he's saying is there's an order to your faith, and the order is this. First, get secure about your righteousness, and then you can believe for his promises. Get secure about God's love towards you, and then you'll have faith towards his hand moving on your life. In other words, you're not going to be able to go to God and pray and ask for healing, ask for provision, ask for wisdom, ask for guidance, ask for God's help with your family, with your children, or anything else. If you go to God and you're wondering, does he love me? Am I forgiven? Does he really accept me? Am I approved by him? If you're still wondering those things, you won't have a confidence before God. Hebrews tells us that because of the grace of God, we can come boldly before the throne. In other words, because we've been forgiven by grace, not because we earned it, we deserved it, God just gave it to us, that we have a confidence before God when we go to him in prayer. When we're facing the challenges of life, we're not wondering, does God accept me? Has he forgiven me? Am I good enough? All of those questions have already been answered. Jesus dealt with that on the cross. Now with confidence, we can pray. Now with confidence, we can speak the promises of God over our situation. Don't read who God is through your circumstances. Read who God is through the cross so that you can face the circumstances with confidence towards God. The cross tells us that God clearly loves us. Well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Actually, the message of the cross is this. Jesus does know what you're going through. He does know what you're going through. He humbled himself to become a man. He suffered every temptation that could possibly be suffered, every pain imaginable, the pain of being uh, innocent and yet accused as guilty, the pain of being abused, the pain of even death on a cross. Listen, Jesus knows injustice. Jesus knows pain. Jesus knows rejection. Jesus knows abuse. He even knows death. There is someone who knows what you're going through, and his name is Jesus. At the cross of Jesus, the question of God's love was settled forever. At the cross of Jesus, God demonstrated his attitude of love towards you and I. The cross isn't just a representation of God's love for you and I. It's a demonstration of God's love towards you. You know, I grew up going to church and learning about Jesus. And so having a faith that Jesus was the Savior of the world was pretty easy. That was okay. But as I got older, especially coming into my teen years, um, how many know there's a difference between having a faith that Jesus is a Savior and deciding to follow him as the Lord of your life? And so I just kind of was doing my own thing, basically. But eventually, somebody met me on a university campus, and they challenged me not just to believe in Jesus, but to become a Jesus follower, to accept him as Lord of your life. In fact, that's what the Bible says, that we're to confess him as when we receive him into our world, when we say yes to his forgiveness, we're to acknowledge him both as a savior, but also as the Lord of your life. When I first heard that, my first thought was, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. But then my second thought was this, if God loves me so much that he would die on a cross for me, I can trust him with my life and with my future. And as they say, the rest is history. 
The cross is the message of forgiveness. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 says, this is how God showed his love towards us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we could have life through him. This is what real love is. It's not our love for God. It's God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place, to take away our sins. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You know, sin can't be compensated for. It can only be paid off. It's a debt. And you don't just kind of balance it with other good things. The scripture tells us that the wages of sin, the debt that it incurs, is equivalent to death. It's an eternal separation from God where we don't feel his presence any longer or anymore. He's way off somewhere, but we're not sensing him in our own life because sin has made us spiritually dead towards him. You can't compensate for that. You can't be, well, I'll just try to be a good person. Hopefully my good will outweigh the bad. No, that won't do it. You can't just do good deeds and think, well, that'll make up for my bad deeds. We all know that bad deeds, and if they're bad enough, they, they end up having charges and consequences and the good deeds don't make up for those things. We can't say, well, I'll just give and be charitable even though in the past I've not really cared. That won't compensate. We can't say, well, I'll work and change my bad habits. Maybe my good habits outweigh my bad habits. We're not being weighed on some kind of a balance. Sin has to be paid for. The good doesn't outweigh the bad in our life. Sin has to be paid for it's not something that we're capable of doing. But God, because of his great love towards you and I, carries our sin to the cross and pays an incredible price for us. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that death. Sometimes people think, well, why can't God just forgive? After all, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. So why would Jesus have to go to the cross anyway? Isn't God a God of love? God is love, but he's also justice. If you can imagine, you know, a judge in a, in a courtroom and, and their position is they have all of the government behind them. They have all of the authority behind them to be able to pardon anybody who comes in front of them. They can do that. But if that judge was there and then the person brought in was even their son or their daughter who had some kind of a charge against them, auto theft or whatever it may be, as much as he may love them, he can't just pardon them, just forgive them and just let it go. That wouldn't be justice. There's a price to be paid. They have incurred a debt with society. Listen, the cross took care of the justice part of our sin. It made the payment so that we could be forgiven. Have you ever been out to dinner, lunch, whatever, with some friends at a restaurant, and then towards the end of the meal, you're like waving the waitress over and, and asking for the check and expecting to pay, and then the waitress comes and she says, it's already covered. You ever had that happen? You need to get new friends. <laughs> Somebody at the table paid for you without you knowing it, so it's covered. Listen, at the cross, Jesus paid for our sins. He covered it and removes it from our life, takes the debt away. Forgiveness also means I'm not living my life tied to my past. 
Without Jesus, we can simply go through life and, and, and then pick up regrets and pick up shame and guilt and condemnation and hurts and wounds and hopelessness and all the rest of it. And then we can carry those things in our heart and think, well, this is just my cross to bear. I guess I'm just stuck with this for the rest of my life. I'll just have to kind of tolerate it and deal with it. There's nothing I can do about it. Listen, you don't have to bear a cross. Jesus did that for you. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, the scripture says this, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You and I had a certificate of debt, decrees against us, the things that we've done wrong. It's talking about sin, of course, and everything that could be associated with it, and Jesus took it all to the cross. It's talking about sin, every action, every thought, every attitude, every word, all of it builds up a debt that creates a separation between us and the Lord, a spiritual death. Yet because of Jesus, that debt is now canceled. It's paid in full. It's been covered. It's been nailed to the cross. It's not just the sin, but everything that's associated with it. Sin brings things into our life. It brings baggage into our life that the cross is meant to cancel out. It brings shame. It brings a sense of, if you will, a label of how we feel about ourselves. It affects our very identity. It brings rejection. It brings a sense of hopelessness and despair over the things we can't seem to correct. It brings a sense of failure and regret, all of those things. But the cross of Jesus Christ not only forgives you, it cancels it out, including all of the baggage that goes with it. Because I'm not only forgiven, but I'm given a promise of a brand new start in life because of Jesus. The Bible says this, the old things pass away and all things become new. The last words of Jesus on the cross settles it when he said, it is finished. It is finished. What is finished? The final sacrifice needed to secure salvation for the entire world was finished. It is finished. When something is finished, there's nothing that you need to add to it because it's finished. Jesus did that for you and I. He finished what was needed for our forgiveness and our salvation. The cross is the message of freedom. It's a message of freedom. The cross is God's demonstration of his love towards us. The cross is God's provision for forgiveness. But the cross is also a message of freedom. Colossians 1.13, it says, God took us out of a life of darkness. He has put us in a holy nation of his much-loved son. We have been bought by his blood and made free. Our sins are forgiven through him. Bought by his blood and made free. We don't go on with a life that, you know, knows God loves us, knows that God forgives us, and yet continue to suffer with the same hangups, the same issues, the same attitudes, the same regrets, repeating the same cycles of habits that we've had in our past. 
For too many people, though, that's how they do life. They don't understand that Jesus not only wants to forgive you, but he wants to let you free. The message of the cross is a message of freedom. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, We know that our old life, our old sinful life, was nailed to the cross with Christ, so that the power of sin that held us was destroyed. Sin is no longer our boss. We're to have freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from habits, but also freedom from cycles in our life, freedom from that curse, freedom from living a life that's like, well, you know, I've got this problem in my life, but, but my parents had that problem and my grandparents had that problem. Yeah, I'm going through dealing with alcohol or dealing with divorce or dealing with whatever it is, but that's just the way it's been for generations. Jesus came to break the curse to break that cycle, to stop the cycle of sin in people's lives and to set them free. You don't have to carry forward what has been happening in your past. The message of the cross. The message of the cross is that the past is behind you and a new beginning is ahead of you. Your past doesn't have to dictate your future. You're free to live in the future that God intended for you. In John 10, 10, the scripture says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. The problem is that because of Jesus, or the promise, I should say, is that because of Jesus, you and I can live life to the fullest. We can experience a life that we could never have living independent of God. But here's the thing, you can't experience life to the fullest and still hold a grudge and still be bitter and still be angry at somebody and still not forgive that person that hurt you. Look at what Jesus told us to pray. Matthew chapter six and verse 12, he says this, forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Jesus is saying, listen, you should be able to expect God to forgive you your sins. You should be praying, asking God to forgive you your sins. But in the same way that God will liberally forgive your sins, you should show the same forgiveness towards others who have hurt you. In the same way that God is willing to remove the debt off of your life, you should release the debt off somebody else's life. The cross is a message about God canceling out debt. The cross is a message also about him canceling, and us canceling rather, the debts of others. He cancels our debt, and then he says, now you can cancel their debt. You know, Jesus told a story about canceling debt and explaining forgiveness. He told a story where a, a master had a servant who owed him so much that literally it would be impossible in a lifetime for him to be able to pay it all back. And so the master says, well, I, I might as well sell you and sell your family into slavery, get as much as I can out of it. And the servant, the scripture says in this story, begged for forgiveness and the master was merciful and canceled the debt that was on his life. Well, that same servant went out and put in prison someone who owed him a very little amount but couldn't pay it in that moment 
And so he put him into prison. The master hears about this and he's quite upset and he confronts him. He reminds him, listen, I have canceled a huge debt off your life. You should have shown the same mercy and, and canceled that small debt off of that other person instead of holding them in debt. The story ends with this man being put in prison. That's how it wraps up. Here's the message. We need to go to the cross to receive forgiveness, to get our debt canceled, but we need to also go to the cross to give forgiveness and cancel the debt of others. And when we don't, we just hold ourselves in prison. We just keep ourselves living a life that is less than the abundant life that Jesus says we can have. Oh, we can go around thinking, I'm forgiven, I've prayed, I've received Jesus. Yes, but you're living miserable because you need to forgive. You need to cancel the debt. What do you need to receive from the cross today? What's its message for you? What do you need to receive? And what do you need to leave at the cross today? Would you stand as we take a moment in prayer? And following it, we'll be receiving communion together. If you just bow your heads, I wanna pray. I wanna pray first of all for those who who need to receive Jesus. They need to come to the cross this Easter for salvation. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're that person who says, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Savior, but if I'm really honest, I'm not living a life that's surrendered to Him. I'm not really living as though He's the Lord of my life. Well, the Bible says it's the whole package. We're to believe that Jesus is our Savior, but we're to confess Him as the Lord of our life. We're to live a life that is surrendered to Him, that allows Him to be the leader, to be first place, and us as followers. And if you're not in that position, the good news is you can make that decision, have a conversation with God, and today you can begin a real relationship with the living God. Today you can begin to walk with Jesus. Today is your day to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. With our heads bowed, I'm gonna pray that prayer and I'm gonna invite you to pray along with me, but I wanna ask before I pray it, how many here would say, Pastor, you know what? Count me in on that prayer. Today I'm confessing Jesus as the Lord of my life. Can you just give me a wave right where you're at? If that's you, today I'm confessing Jesus as Lord of my life. That's awesome. We can put our hands down. Let's pray with those who are praying. Lord Jesus, I thank you as you went to the cross because of love and you died for the world including me. I believe you're the savior of the world. I ask you to forgive my past and I invite you into my life, confessing you as savior and Lord of my life. And I'll follow you with all of my heart from this day forward in Jesus' name. With our heads still bowed, I wanna pray one more prayer. I want to pray a prayer for people who need to leave something at the cross. We talked about going to the cross to receive forgiveness, that our debt could be taken away. But maybe maybe this morning you need to go to the cross to give forgiveness, to release the debt of somebody who's hurt you in life, to let go of that grudge, to let go of that bitterness, to allow God to fill you with his love and his joy and the abundant life that Jesus talks about. So 
So I wanna lead you in a prayer and give you an opportunity just between you and the Lord in this prayer to tell Jesus, I'm releasing the debt. I'm not holding on to it any longer. I'm forgiving and walking in the freedom that you provided for me. We pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you've released me of my debt. Today I decide to forgive, to leave it at the cross, and to release my debtor. Just right where you are, between you and the Lord, just tell the Lord, Lord, here's who I'm forgiving. Here's the situation I'm releasing. Here's what I'm leaving at the cross today. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, I just pray for everyone who's here, and especially for those who who needed to pray this prayer, who needed to release their debtor. Holy Spirit, I thank you for filling them with fresh joy. Lord, let let them know your presence in a special way. Lord, let them them know the, the freedom from bitterness and grudge and all the rest and the baggage. And Jesus, I thank you for restoring joy and peace and the abundant life that you've intended for them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.